And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to this preview edition of Red Side of the Trent as we look ahead to the Reds' trip to Chelsea at the weekend. Obviously, Chelsea have become a fairly semi-regular, if you like, opponent for Nottingham Forest over recent years with League Cup and FA Cup fixtures. But um, it's the first time we played them in the league since, or first time we visited the bridge, I believe, since 1998. So anyway, earlier on this season, we spoke to Dave Cook, who is back with us again, I'm delighted to say. And we also have Adam Whitlow joining me as well. So hello, Dave. Good to see you again. Um, Hi, guys. A lot has changed since we last spoke about the, on the podcast. Um, so obviously before that, I mean, we drew one all that game at the city grounds. And I remember um, you telling me afterwards that you felt that we should be disappointed with that because you weren't happy at all with how you played. Yeah, I mean, at that point in the season, I didn't think things could get much worse. But um, yeah, here we are. <laughs> here we are four months later with six defeats and one win under Frank Lampard. But um, yeah, uh, that game I seem to remember... It was quite a quiet start. We had a slightly fortunate goal. I think it was Willie Bolly, I think, who sliced a clearance. And then... Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's probably been our best chance of scoring a goal um, in the last (laughs) six or seven months, someone doing something like that. Um, And then, yeah, early the second half, I think you bombarded us for about 15, 20 minutes. And then then you got the equaliser. And I just kind of got the impression, just from the flow of that game, that Steve Cooper kind of felt okay with the point from there. Yeah, that's been semi regular criticism as well that we've been too happy to sort of accept when we could be pushing on for more and yeah, it has and been the last few point, times this season yeah and to be fair at that point it looked like it just the start of a blip with us so you, like, you wouldn't necessarily say that's a mid-table side at the time so I guess I could understand it yeah uh, and I think he said actually earlier this week didn't he Cooper something like that he's had to like change some of his football in principle so to speak like he's had to actually just kind of try and get the job done this season I think so, yeah, basically, yeah. Gibbs White touched on it as well after the um, Saints game. He was saying that, you know, obviously he feels sorry for him because this is this goes against all his principles and beliefs. But obviously, 
needs Mars to try and survive. But um, obviously, we all thought, obviously, going into January, that Chelsea might be, again, active-ish in the transfer market. We expected maybe one or two big transfer moves. Um, I don't think we expected 10 players to sign. Obviously, um, one of them being Nkunku. Um, £285 million to spend, according to transfer market. Uh, obviously, that included the likes of, you know, Mikhail Mudrich and uh, what's it, Enzo Fernandez, Nani Mandu, Madueke, Madueke, yeah, Can you name them, David? It's similar to, to our, our transfer. It's like the quiz in reverse, yeah. Dave, yeah. Except you're signing <laughs> every football manager wonder kid, it seems. Yeah. It's true. Like our two football clubs probably are the best examples that success can't just be bought, I suppose, and that it it definitely takes time. Um, once all those players come in, let's be honest, haven't had an elite level manager um, mm. with that team. Yeah, I mean, I know we had one at the start of the season, but then I think because the ownership were so naive that I think the, the way that they handled the relationship with him, that relationship broke down. Um, I think from what I've been reading, that sounds like why it's taken a while to get Pochettino over the line because he's had a lot of questions about control and like basically <laughs> things have to say, are you going to let them do my job, please? Um, and I genuinely think if they had done, I agree with uh, the sentiment that if they had done literally nothing, we'd be in a better position. Like, I look back to where we were a year ago and we had issues as in, can we go from being a top four side to winning the league? And we might need to do, well, sign four or five players to help with that. But I genuinely think where we are now, if they'd done nothing and left the same manager in charge, we'd probably still be around the top four. So what what they've done has has been nothing short of disastrous. You just have to hope that obviously, because these guys are surely going to be in for the long haul, sadly, it's a lot harder to get rid of bad owners than it is bad managers and players, as you guys well know from the Fawazi. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, so you have to accept these guys are probably going to be in for the long haul and just hope that they learn from the whole episode. I mean, first of all, from appointing Potter based on their own um, understanding as, as opposed to leaning on a few sporting directors because they didn't have a sporting director back in September. Um, so j- just things like that, really. But um, yeah, I mean, the January signings, uh, th- there were a few gaps that needed to be plugged. But I mean, yeah, I mean, to be fair, some of those signings have gone straight out online, like Andre Santos and Marlo Gusto. That was a bit of planning for next season. Um but it, to be fair, just when you watch us play, it doesn't look like a team. It, it genuinely looks like a few blokes who've just met down the pub before the game <laughs> and have then got on the coach to the ground. Like it, I've, I've not really seen any kind of cohesion. Like, for example, when we played Brighton in April and Kaoru Matoma was absolutely roasting uh, Trevor Chalaber and they beat us 2-1, like a few people said, if you swap him and Sterling, they probably give you opposite performances. Because if Sterling goes into a settled system like Brighton, he probably plays well. And if Matoma comes into our complete mess, you probably take that out of him. I actually don't think when you've got the issues we have, you could sign 10 players, 15 players, 20 players. It's not going to change anything. The first thing you need to get right, though, is the manager. And let's hope we do that now. No, it's very, I mean, Adam, you asked, uh, before we hopped on the call, you, you, you looked at like the formations Chelsea have played. I'll let you lead at that point. If you want. Yeah, I, I looked at your last like four or five games just to get a gist of like who you've been playing and what you've been playing. I I couldn't tell you what your best formation or personnel is because it's. I think against Real Madrid in the first game, you played like 3-5-1-1 or something. You've played 4-3-3 last couple of games. I think 3-4... I'm like, you might be able to tell us a bit more, but I couldn't tell you your best eleven to save my life and I'm and I follow the Premier League quite thoroughly like I pretty yeah. much could tell you every every team's 11 apart from Chelsea's I think yeah and, and the sad thing is Frank Lampard doesn't know either 
That's because he's a shit manager, Dave. I don't know. I don't know if you. Uh, I mean, if you want to listen to our last, our last pod discussing Chelsea, Christian will give you give you. I mean, I, I don't think he needs to tell you about what what uh, what his thoughts are. But like, I mean, that's quite an insightful rant he gave about Lampard being the worst manager in the league. But, <laughs> so yeah, um, I did want to it's ask fun, you about. Yeah. I did. I did want to ask you about Enzo Fernandez because yeah, that's an astronomical fee to pay for someone who. From the not 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 to disrespect the Portuguese league, but it's it's a nothing league compared to the elite in my in my in my opinion. And though yeah, he won the World Cup, I didn't think he was that good. Hmm. Yeah, I seem to remember. I think there was one really good goal against Mexico, but yeah, I didn't remember really too much else of what of what he did in that tournament. I think what I'd say about Fernandez, and it's the same with quite a few of the new signings like Mudrick. Uh, probably like when Sterling first came in, as we've seen it in parts with Wesley Fofana, they all show flashes of what they can do. And particularly in the first two or three games, you tend to see like Fernandez has played some great assists where he played balls over the top um, and players have either not taken the chance or scored. And I see elements of what Sesh Fabregas used to do as that sort of deep line playmaker, which we never really got out of Jorginho. I thought Jorginho was more about controlling possession rather than actually creating chances. Um, so, yeah, I... I always say as well, you never know how players will handle the pressure of being a British record or club record or world records, you know, whichever one it happens to be. And then what seems to happen is because these players can't fit into any kind of system, it just dissipates whatever they seem to bring for the first two or three games. I I don't really think anybody I can think of for this season has had maybe 10 good games in a row or anything that's really stretched across it. I mean, what they're going to do for player of the season award, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, maybe give it to the kit man. Um, <laughs> Or, or kit person, I should I should say, but uh, yeah, I I think um, that midfield is an interesting one as well because Angola Conte at this moment in time still hasn't signed the new contract. Mateo Kovacic has got one year to go, so yeah, midfield I think is the is the main area we used to look at that and think would that even require further investment? Like you know, Mason Mount still only got one year to go, so yeah, it's um it's it's it's, gonna, it's never going to be dull with us, is it? Are we setting a lap feeling? Uh, being boring I mean although I guess one thing is one of the things obviously I know obviously this has probably become because of a lack of balance but it does seem that one key factor for Chelsea not performing as well is goals I mean uh, for context both Forrest and Chelsea have scored 34 goals this yeah, season I saw that, yeah. and um, which is staggering in its own right I mean for this stage last season with three games to go Chelsea has scored 70 goals and they're third in the league so I know, obviously, there's been that article about Bamyang today, which I think that just highlights the whole mess of the situation, really. But um, he it was, it was his first start, I think, in like six months. Yes, against Arsenal the other week. Do you, yeah. I mean, obviously, so it's him and Jao Felix, which on paper that should be enough to get at least a few goals in the bag, even with Havertz floating around as well. So, what's gone wrong on that front? Like, why aren't these players delivering? Yeah, it's funny. I read that article this morning. I found it quite curious. I think somewhere towards the bottom of that article, they mentioned that he gets a bonus fee every time he plays. <laughs> and then it just seems to be quite convenient how often he's not played as soon as things weren't going on. And Graham Potter, I think he was quoted as saying he's not done anything wrong um, and didn't explain why he wasn't in the team. So that all sounds a little bit suspicious to me. That something's still game, yeah. Yeah, it's been something financially related. I wouldn't be surprised. Um and I had an element of sympathy with him at the start, particularly because he signed for Thomas Tuchel, it sounds like, and then Tuchel gets sacked a week later. He also went through the trauma of his house getting burgled and his jaw being broken not long before we signed him. Um, so there's all the personal stuff as well. And then 
To be, but to be fair, he had a run of five or six games before the World Cup where he was terrible. Like he did not move on the pitch. Like I've never seen anyone actually look so much like a mannequin on the football pitch as as like as like he did. Although he did score about three goals from ten starts, so it was nothing like disastrous overall. Um, and then I think he only played the Arsenal game because Lampard thought maybe you know we've tried everything else, and because he used to play for Arsenal and there's a bit of needle there, maybe like that will inspire him. And he got brought off after forty five minutes. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I get what you mean, because like last season, everyone said we've got the centre-forward issue, which we did to an extent, but the actual number of goals wasn't the problem. The problem was more, can we actually score in the tight moments when teams are sitting deep and it's nil-nil with five minutes to go? Can we get the big goal at the end of the game? Mm. The actual number of goals we were scoring overall wasn't that bad. Um, when you look at 70-odd goals, I think it's pretty standard for like a top two, top three team, I think. Or it's not far off, really. So... Yeah, wait, now we actually get to the point where like, literally anyone not being able to score a goal at all. But I think you know, it, it sounds like the, the, it's not just like players and managers as well, like the fact that they've changed the football operation that was there before. They've changed physios, they've changed medical staff. So players are just coming in and it's just like every day, just like, oh, there's a new face here, new face there. They even brought in a mentality coach in February. Don't even know what happened to him. It, it, just too much change too quickly. And I just think it's led to complete disaster. Complete uh, I'm really glad we're not the only circus in the Premier League. Yes, yeah. <laughs> except yeah. Yeah, except Chelsea on a far, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Chelsea on a far, far, far bigger scale, which is absolutely mental to hear. But like, yeah. with 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 that, it's it's quite weird that you guys are struggling to score. We've just started to kind of come into our own of scoring recently. We've yeah. scored quite a few goals. I mean, how much will you sell a one you for? <laughs> whatever you'd sell to anyone else double it because it's Todd Bowley yeah well there was that there was that rumour where you where you lost to Southampton at home and Romeo Lavia had a really good game and, and then Bowley was on about signing him for 50 million or something ridiculous and I was like yeah. oh well if you when you see Danilo on Saturday you'll probably be like oh 100 mil that'll do because <laughs> I'll tell you what he's playing incredibly well for us I, I, I'd like to think Christian's vouching for him heavily in like your WhatsApp group or whatever you're in yeah, well, all I've been hearing from Chris every day since Lampard took over was his only win will be against Forrest. Um, yeah. So thankfully, because we at least beat Bournemouth, that won't be the case. But it might be his only home win. Um, oh, yeah, that's Our only other home game is against Newcastle left. So, yeah, it's probably our best chance to get one. I mean, it's, that's sort of quite nice. But if the season ended tomorrow, it would be uh, the joint second worst season in Chelsea's Premier League history, finishing 11th. Taking it back in the days finish. of Cascarino and Shipley up front, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the lowest you finish is 14th in the Prem. Um, I saw actually, uh, it's obviously that transfer market thing where it's, it's still mathematically possible for you to finish 17th. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it just sounds so bizarre to say those words. I mean, like, if you can obviously describe it in a nutshell, I mean, aside from, I mean, obviously, I, f- I feel it's too simplistic to say that the strikers haven't been scoring. Like, exactly. Um, it, it's uh, whatever else. I mean, do you think uh, you, know, you said too much change too soon? Do you think that the main reason you have been this suspect, if you like, is primarily because of Todd Bowley and no one else? Or do you think that, yes, yeah, the the buck stops with him? Because I think as much as we were renowned for changing managers in the past, I actually think the football operation was set up in a way that it could do that. Because you did have the stability, first of all, in, in the playing staff, which we had in the early years of Abramovich, when we had that spine of Czech, Terry Lampard, Drogba. And in the later years, you had this um, operation of Marina Granovskaya running uh, the transfers. You had Petr Cech coming in as technical director a few years ago. Michael Imanalo was director of football for a long time. Um, 
and all the people, you know, like I said before about the physios and the medical staff, there wasn't really so much change in that. And I think possibly, I don't know if the sanctions last year had anything to do with that, but I think the problem with Boley and uh, Beidad Egbali as co-controlling owner is that they've tried to prove that they know better than everything that's gone on before and they want, they're too desperate to do it their way. And um, I, like I said, nobody expected this many players, but I think also internally behind the scenes, nobody expected that much change within one year. And I've also got to be honest, you know, obviously we can debate the rights and wrong about the appointment of Graham Potter, but I think what was worse than that was it was so blindingly obvious after we lost at home to Southampton, he had to go. Um, that we lost at home to the team that's bottom in the league and deservedly, like didn't even look like scoring for a huge chunk of that game. Um, and at that point, it was something like two wins in 15. And we had the Champions League games, but, but top four was maybe not quite salvageable, but like European places certainly were at that point. And it was a, it, it reminded me a little bit of when Man United lost 5-0 to Liverpool and Solskjaer clearly had to go and they clung on for another month or so. Uh, just for at least at that point, you had to work on getting a new manager in. Because like when they finally sacked Potter in early April, it turned out they didn't have any kind of plan. It wasn't like when we appointed Tuchel and already had him in place to sack Lampard in, in the January a few years ago. They sacked him and they said, right, now we start looking for one. And then it goes to a point where we lose six more games and now we might get a manager in. It, it, I think they were too desperate also to prove they were right about Potter in the first place. Whereas I think they finally had to, because it, it, it sounded like from what I kept re reading was that the sporting directors finally convinced him to sack him. And said like, even Paul Winstanley, who'd worked with um, Potter at Brighton before said, Look, even though I like unearthed him at Brighton and even though like, I had a great relationship with him, he's got to go. And I, I just think, Ego has played a big, big part in this. And hopefully, I'd say they've learned from the whole experience. But then it's other things as well. Like when he's going out publicly and saying the Premier League should consider all-star games and all that kind of stuff. It's like, whatever the merits of doing that, it's like you don't have the credence to say things like that because you've not achieved anything over here yet. Like, first of all, the sport, we know the sports are very different to, to, to baseball anyway, but I just feel a bit like he, he's been very arrogant in the way he's run things in this first year. And, you know, Roman Abramovich, I think, ran things a lot more quietly despite the big spending that we saw in the early years, it actually felt like someone who did ultimately know what they were doing football-wise. And yeah, this um, it, it can only get better. Anyway, it's probably the best way of putting it. I, I read an article that Ted Bowley was like, well, we've we've had our coach at, I don't know what, what baseball team he is, I can't remember, but he's like, we've had our coach for like 10 years, so we're going to go down the same sort of line of giving a coach a, a good chance and an opportunity and a plan to succeed. And then he takes Potter from from Brighton and then you think oh well that there must be going down kind of some sort of smart and, and well-planned route and then obviously it's been a complete disaster and then you look kind of look at what happened to Brighton where they brought in Roberto De Zerbi within a week or so and they've had a very successful season I mean they they hammered you lot didn't they um at the Amex I believe was it three or four nil or whatever it yeah, was, was so so you know what it's it's absolutely crazy of like the differences in 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 clubs in, from from top to bottom in the Premier League of how teams operate and and be successful within a budget or or, or whatever you want to spend I don't know because obviously we've we bought a lot of players for a lot of money in in some respects but we've managed to we've we've kept Cooper for the whole season even though there's been so so many times where you've gone bloody hell he's got to go now because otherwise yeah, we're not going to we're not going to survive but we've gave ourselves a good chance with yourselves Arsenal and Palace to play and I mean 
we're <laughs> we're begging for a result against Chelsea just so we can have a bit of a relax against Arsenal and Palace. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I, I I wonder if in Forest's case it's a case of maybe they looked at like Chelsea and also for example like going from Tuchel to Potter and also Southampton say for example going from Hassan Hootel to Jones because even though it seemed like he'd come to the end of the road at Southampton Nathan Jones clearly wasn't an upgrade on what they'd had before so I wonder with Cooper if they just looked at the market and just thought actually looking at who's out there even though you've got the perennial firefighter Sam Allardyce out there as he was at the time I think they probably looked at that and just thought can we actually improve this situation from where we are and yeah, I think, uh, you know, a big difference as well, like going back to the point about like, what he's done in baseball, because I, I, I like baseball, like I watch it every now and then. Uh, but I think a big difference is I've never seen a baseball crowd scream, you don't know what you're doing at a coach. And, you know, the protests and and all those kind of things that, that we see, I, I genuinely, I mean, it's, it's hard to say without having lived there, but I don't think the culture is as vociferous as what it can be over here. I don't think it can get as toxic. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com as what we see over here, like particularly when it just comes to one pitch matters. And that that's the thing. I, and I think, yeah, it's a bit of an awakening for them as to how the, the culture generally works as a coach. Because let's be honest, it's not just Chelsea and it's not just Forest. Most clubs don't give managers time anymore, do they? Like, how, how many managers have been there three years in the Premier League and Championship? I mean, you're, you're only looking at the top the top boys, aren't you, who, who are successful, like Liverpool yeah, and... Yeah, that's sack them, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Guardiola and Klopp are probably the two longest now, aren't they? Across the top two oh, leagues. Oh, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Which was oh, I mean, he's only been there like three years. Like again, I mean, that sounds like we're not that's like a massive I mean, um, of time, doesn't it? Three years now. I mean, uh, if it was it the start of the season, Cascarino. It's been really well documented by some Forest fans, <laughs> and it's pissed us off. But he was like, "Oh, Cooper will be one of the first to go," and I think fourteen manager changes. I mean, some have had multiple, like yourself, Southampton. Uh, and 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 that and so you know that that Wolves tells you a lot. Doesn't, multiple changes. That te- that tells you a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, who was the longest forest serving? Just thinking, actually, in recent times, is it Billy Davis? I think or... it is Cooper. Like, I think Cooper, if he sees yeah. out the season, I'm pretty sure he'll only be the second in the last twelve years to have a full season. Wow. <laughs> like, it would have been it would have been Lamucci and Davis. So like, and that was Davis in 2010, yeah. 11 as well. So but again, yeah. I suppose if you if you're Marinakis, you might say the ends have justified the means. Looking where you were when he took over, and looking where you are now. But part, of, I mean, sorry, part of me thinks that his ambition at the start of the season, he was in the market square. He was like, "Be ready for trophies," and I was like, "All right, yeah, well, this guy's yeah. like, he's, <laughs> he's really talking." And like, and I think, 
I think although he's probably had like a had his finger hovering over the trigger, I think in hindsight he's probably looked at the league and gone, "Fucking hell, this is so much harder than I thought it yeah, would be." I think he's been and chucking a load of money yeah. at it, and then I think because of the fan base being so behind the team and Cooper, and obviously being so vocal in the stands, I think it 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 kind of put him in a difficult position to sack him. And plus, we were never like so far adrift. We've always been within the mix. I mean, there was a point where it was five, six points above the relegation zone. Yeah, we slipped back into it, unfortunately, because we've had about 15 players out injured at once, which is you, oh, yeah, it's unheard of. I mean, Chelsea have had loads of injuries. United have had loads of injuries as well, just to to, to put that into perspective. But we've had a fuckload, like, to, yeah. to be blunt about it. So I think he's kind of just gone like well we'll just stick with him while we're in the mix and I mean if we stay up that's a successful season for us because oh, we've been out of it yeah. for 23 years and the league is is ridiculously hard I think as well I think there's like a 35% statistical chance that the team from the playoffs survives so you know it does it's, obviously the odds are against you anyway let alone me build a new yeah. team it's really so, hard to work out what the best blueprint is as well because I think Sheffield United with Wilder didn't change much that first season yeah, and they were fine. And then I think again they only brought in like a couple of forwards. I think and then overspent on them, and and then it all fell apart. They got found out. Pretty never really did much COVID, didn't they? Yeah. Sorry, they got found out. It seemed like yeah. up until COVID they were flying. Then everyone sort of clocked on. Yeah, that's right. Bobby's fell well, off a cliff. Sh- Sh- Sheffield United had a team of mercenaries, didn't they? Misfits basically just fucking cobbled together, and they were on a vendetta because everyone said they were so shitted as individuals. So that's probably <laughs> what their driving force was behind that. And then. When you've got overlapping centre backs of like Basham and that, you are going to get fat. You, it is going to take some teams by surprise, and then you're going to get quickly found out, aren't you? When you especially when you got Ollie McBurney up front in the Premier League. I mean, he's coming back next season, so I can't wait to see that shit show. Yeah. I suppose Brentford are an example of what it can be. Obviously, for, as a new promoted side, obviously digressing massively away from the game, but obviously, I think Brentford have still kept like quite a key core of their promoted team together which is fair play to yeah. them and Brighton have kept a few together too but again these are teams that have been well around for years so it's a bit difficult to sort of compare yeah well, you also had the loan issue of players loans ending that's it last yeah season as well um, obviously I mean going back to the game I mean what is I mean, as Adam sort of touched upon earlier like you know last league home win was against Leeds on March the 4th the last home win in all competitions was March the 7th against uh, British Dortmunds uh, since then it's just been a world of pain pretty much for Chelsea with some very questionable uh, losses, if you like. I mean, obviously, there's been what a loss to Brentford, a loss to Brighton, a loss, obviously, Wolves are away, I suppose. They've been quite good, uh, more, than, more than you. But I mean, the good news is for you is that Forest's London records, as opposed to last season, which was quite okay. I mean, obviously, we've got, we've got a last minute win against QPR. We obviously won away at Fulham, which no one saw coming. We obviously, won at Wembley. Yeah, we beat season. we beat we beat Millwall and we drew we drew at QPR, yeah. Christian, but it, it, didn't it, feel beat, like, it did feel like a winner. Yeah, sorry, yeah, it was equal, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, beat Millwall. Like, that was last minute win at Millwall. Sorry. Yeah. And then um, this season, our record in London is we are currently sixteen two down. We've lost five nil at Arsenal, four nil at West Ham, two nil at Fulham, three one at Spurs, and very agonisingly like, the other week two one at Brentford. So I mean, from that perspective, obviously like, our way travels are well. A well away woes, sorry, a well documented. I mean, obviously, one win all season. I mean, do you think that, you know, even despite having Lampard as manager, that there is a good chance you will win on Saturday? Um, oh, shall we shake? I said before, should we shake on the nil nil now? <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Yeah. absolutely. 100%. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
the, the, I, I don't know if there's much to read into at all, just the fact that it was a little bit better against Bournemouth. And to be fair, because it's been so grim, I jumped around this living room like a madman when Badia Shield made it 2-1. And I never thought I'd be going mad over beating Bournemouth in an end-of-season game, but here's where we are. Um, although, to be fair, it did actually seal our survival, actually, in May. So that was, <laughs> it was a big goal, actually, in that respect. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's the only thing. If this wasn't any normal times, obviously, well, I guess going back to uh, the few times we played you like, in cup competitions like, in the last few years as well, that's generally what I'd be thinking, like a 2-0 on kind a of scoreline. Um, but, yeah, I've, I don't think... Um, I don't. I, I don't think either side will keep a clean sheet with the, yeah. the way things are going. Um, I mean, I suppose if, if Southampton can get through against you, I mean, I suppose that's, that's some kind of that, that's some kind of inspiration. But having said that, this is the funny thing as well because for all the talk about how bad things were under Graham Potter defensively, we weren't awful. However, since Frank Lampard's come in, no clean sheets at all in seven games. So he literally took the only thing that wasn't terrible and made it a bit more terrible. <laughs> um, what what kind of team should Forrest expect to face, David? Because obviously, like I said earlier, I couldn't I couldn't name you your best eleven. Obviously, it's well documented that Reese James has had his injury issues, and I think that's been a massive, massive factor for Chelsea's like failures. Probably more so with everything else going on. But he's such a key player for you, so I am interested to know what you think your lineup might be and what kind of formation you're going to go with. So the the only thing is. Um, this is obviously one of the rare times we come into a game off the back of a victory and it's the first time uh, with Lampard as well. So I actually think this will be a very rare time where he doesn't make any changes. Um, so I'm trying to remember, I think it was Kepper in goal, Chalaba right back, Silva, Badia Shield, centre-backs, left back. Chilwell, I think. He was. Actually, actually yeah, to be fair, he'll have to change him because he went off injured again because sadly he's made of glass. Um, and then midfield three was, uh, was it Conte, Fernandez, Gallagher. And then front three, Madueke, Mudrick, uh, Havertz. Um, well, Madueke's looked pretty good the last few weeks, actually. Yeah, it, it's funny because it was a little bit like going back a few years, like the era of actually getting it out to guys like Duff and Robin and then running at defenders. Um, but it did actually seem to work a bit better. We did actually look slightly more threatening uh, in that game. Madueke is one I'm quite excited about, to be honest. I think he's actually, again, he's another one. You're seeing it in flashes and then he, because he kind of started well and then he was out of the side and now he's back in again. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to think who you guys will have at fullback. Will it be Aurier? Well, we don't know. So, both Aurier and Mardi went off injured in the Saints game. So, that even means their season's completely over or they start between, really. That's happened a so, few times and I think they've, they've, they normally make recoveries. I mean, Aurier was jumping around the bloody main stand after the after he'd won. He so I think very, he, he was taped up quite heavily though. I think he was but, quite I think he was more exhausted to be honest. It's like you're right. I mean I mean yeah. if it is already Lolly we'll have a chance. I mean if you could it's... be up against Cucurea as well. Well you'll oh, either be up against Cucurea or a fifty four year old Cesar Aspilicueta. So. <laughs> but I thought I thought Brennan Johnson in the home game destroyed Cucurea. He just was yeah. I mean he should have passed. I still think he should have yeah, passed. And Thiago, to be fair, Thiago Silva is, is obviously a phenomenal defender. He's the best best defender I've seen at the City Ground this season. Yeah, and and I still think Johnson should have passed the fucking ball to a one. Oh yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because we were playing a really high line with three centre backs all over thirty, and I think Johnson and maybe Gibbs White were getting so much joy out of that with balls over the Curry top. Bailly had an absolute shocker that day as well. Yeah. 
which obviously helps. I'm not sure um, about you, Christian, but I don't know what, what to expect from ourselves, whether we change formation or we stick with what we did on Monday, to be honest. So that I'll be I'll be intrigued to see what that is. But as long as Dinilo's playing, I don't care. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, I mean, obviously, Dave, as you know, I was lucky enough to go with you to the Chelsea-Fulham game, which you drew 0-0 with Potter. Yeah, Friday night. And yeah. um, I always remember, like, Fulham didn't do anything special. They just held shape. And it just seemed Chelsea had so much difficulty getting through that. I mean, one thing, when it's, I mean, this is, I do think we probably will revert to that depending on personnel. Um, I know, obviously, you shouldn't change a winning team. But as you said, if you're conceding three goals to Southampton, it's not necessarily a good indicator of what's to come. Albeit, all three, I oh, say, two are from set pieces, and one was a mistake. Mm. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that we might go. I mean, we had when we played Everton with Lampard there the, um, at the start of the season. We drew one all. Um, we went with that uh, normal shape, so it was like three, four, one, two, um, and that was a fairly exciting second half, a bit of a ding dong, really. And you know, obviously, finished a draw in the end. I can see us yeah. doing similar. I can see us being a, like a five-three-two out of possession, and then springing forward on the counter. And um, I think that's what we'll go with. Obviously, especially now Woody Body's back, so it, it will be interesting to see what Cooper does go with. I mean, from your perspective, I mean, I'm guessing if we were to go with a five-three-two essentially out of possession, do you think that would cause many problems given the lack of goals this season? I think particularly if you play on the counter attack, yeah. Um... But this this might be why uh, it's probably a good good idea to have a younger defender like Badia Shield alongside Silva, um, and may, maybe even play Lewis Hall at left back to try and combat that. To be honest, um, I think it, I, I think Aspilicueta, like who came in, he actually came on at left back last week. I think he'll go in the summer, most likely. Yeah. Well, it, it, so long as someone can pay about five to ten million for him, something like that, I think he'll probably go. Um, and then. Yeah, I'm just thinking actually as well. Has Lampard beaten Forest? Before? No, he beat us in a cup. In the FA Cup, that was it? We it? had yeah. yeah, yeah. Jordan Smith was in goal, and Pogba oh, yeah. scored a fucking p roller at his near post, and um, that was when we had that offside for the penalty. Remember? Yeah, yeah. Mike won it. When VAR first came in, and the VAR lines were like like little ruler edges rather than the thick ish ones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he has been. So obviously, I'm sure most amount if he plays will get a very customary uh, welcome from far. Oh, okay, well he won't get that then. Yeah, he's out. Um, Lampard season, will though. But, um, yeah. but I mean, I mean, on the on the topic of Lampard's, I mean, it seemed to me like it's a blatant PR move from Bodie. Really? Yeah. Because I mean, obviously, like you know, he was taking all the flack. You know, he spent what, probably the best part of sixty million getting butter and all his staff out of Brighton only to sack them. And then, you know, obviously he's then taking all this heat, signing all these players. It hasn't worked. It's not gelling. And he's just gone, all right, I'll just hire an ex-club legend. I mean, we've walked that path before. Forest, we walked it, you know, getting Stuart Pearson with things yeah, that's tough, getting yeah. babies back for a second time. Even O'Neill, after sacking a popular manager in Karanka. So, I mean, were you just bewildered by that? Did you think it would be the other caretaker guy that was with Potter? I mean, I know he had like one game, didn't he? I can't remember his name now. Or Bruno, you... yeah, Bruno. Yes, yeah. What did you make of the whole situation? Well, yeah, my first reaction was, yeah, this is just populism. It, it is a crowd pleaser, and predictably, you get a lot of Chelsea fans on Twitter going on about things like 
proper Chelsea and we're going to show fight and passion and he's going to instill what it means to be Chelsea and all, and all this kind of stuff. And it's a bit like, well, look, that only took us so far the first time, let's be honest. Like he had a decent first season with us and he did what was asked of him, but that was about developing young players like Abraham Mount and, and James. And once we spent 200 million the following summer, he couldn't really do it because um, that was a totally different job. And then, but my only thinking was, if you can't get a permanent manager in until the end of the season, I don't think we've had much choice really uh, maybe the thinking was there'll be could be some short term but like Solskjaer when he first went into Man United that first two or three months um, the the other thing though consequently that I would say and based on his whole demeanour Frank Lampard and, and just the way things come out and I obviously don't know this for a fact it's just a hunch I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't even particularly want to come back in the first place to be honest like the whole impression I got off of him is that he he's his ego is a little bit bruised and battered because of what happened at the end with us and with Everton I think he's lost a bit of that naivety that was there the first time. I think the problem is there was this small little carrot being dangled about possibly winning the Champions League. So it was a bit of a free hit for him. But I think he kind of knew this is not a good situation. But also, we're probably the only club in the world he cannot say no to um, when when the call comes. So it's it's a little bit like this might not actually be beneficial to my career, but I can't actually say no to it at the same time. And and I think you guys will probably be, probably be agree, it's not been beneficial to him. I mean, he could win the last few games now, but it's not really been beneficial to him, has it? The whole thing. It's probably actually done his chance of getting another job more harm than it has good. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I think, I think he's done, personally. I think, I, I, I think you know, any, any Premier League club after this and Everton would be stupid to hire him now. I mean... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not. It's like it's like Mark, it's going down the same route as Mark Hughes. Do you know I mean when he had like Stoke and Southampton and he relegated both in the same season? I think he relegated yeah. one of them. Yeah, that's true. It, I've I've yeah, never it, seen evidence that he can get a team to defend. Where his whole time yeah. with us, Derby, Everton, I've never felt like this guy knows how to tactically set a team up. And I've got to be honest. And don't get me wrong, I loved him as a player. Like every, every fan did, every Chelsea fan did. But obviously, like, you've got to be able to separate the two things. And. I can't really think of any time he's actually done anything particularly tactical or any kind of masterstroke where you think, yeah, an elite manager would have done that or, or like he saw something that I couldn't see. Like, But then ultimately, what, what, why would he? Because it's, in a way, it's not his fault that he got these jobs kind of not long. I mean, it's probably going to feel the same about Gerard getting Villa or Bay. he'd done quite well at Rangers before that. And, and, and to, to an extent, Potter as well. Like, it's not his fault that he was offered the job. In the first place, really, so, like the that's why I'm saying, like the yeah, the, the the fault lies with the ownership ultimately to to get us into this position, and then not having a plan to replace Potter in the first place. Yeah, that's, that's probably fair enough, really. It's it's uh, yeah, it certainly does seem a a Todd issue rather than just Frank. Although, as we said, it's not really done in much favours. But anyway, Dave, if I could get a prediction out of you for Saturday, what do you what do you think? Oh, wow. This is going to sound very cynical again, and I'm maybe going to put down to the fact that we won last week, just maybe down to the fact that Bournemouth were pretty much safe anyway. So the fact that you're not, I'm going to go with 1-1 again, I think. I think yeah. we'd take that. I mean, I think it, from the, um, the delirium of the uh, the Saints game, I think I went with a 3-2 Forest win. Yeah. Adam, went, <laughs> Adam went for a 2 all draw. So, I mean, um, I think... You know, as we've said, both defences haven't actually been good. So yeah, well, also, have you got anyone who can shoot from range? Oh, <laughs> Kepa, of course. Um, yeah, if get it on target from range, it probably goes D in. Danilo's <laughs> had a fair few <laughs> fair few cracks in recent weeks, hasn't he, Christian? So, and he's getting closer. Yeah. 
He keeps scoring. Yeah. In the, he keeps popping up in the box though, which is nice to have a, a midfielder finally do that. It kind of reminds you of a certain manager that you've got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just like him. Well, yeah. Kepper only does Superman impressions in those situations as well. Sort of brings his arm across his face like that and doesn't really get close to saving anything. So, um, I, I do remember the whole um, the fuck it, it's Kepper compilation of him being done from long range yeah. efforts. <laughs> there but, were um... some like absolute worldies in that compilation that I've seen. To be fair to him, so I mean, I don't think it's just he's getting beaten from range all the time. I mean, you could have said the same thing about Dean Anderson this Dean season. Anderson, yeah. Yeah, um, but it's it, it'd be interesting. Going. I mean, it's it's just weird. I would say you've done pretty well for goalkeepers, haven't you? Well, yeah, I've seen Navas has been a bit hit and miss recently, but yeah, I mean, it's on the whole, if you said to me last season, oh yeah, you'll lose like a club sort of like not icon, but you know, he's a favoured personnel on FM, if you like, and replace them with Henderson and Navas, you'd be like what? <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> No, I think it's weird because obviously when we looked at the fixture list at the start of the season, we looked at the last three games being what Chelsea's Arsenal. You probably thought, fucking hell, like, but it does seem as if the you know we could get you know, two, two draws from playing Chelsea this season, which is quite remarkable, really. Um, but yeah, remarkably the... underwhelming, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, first, the first game remarkably <laughs> underwhelming, especially after Gibbs White nearly scored a goal of the season contender from our point of view. Anyway, that was very unlucky. Oh, but oh, yeah, one of them unlucky. ones in it. But yeah, anyway, thank you for coming on, Dave. Much appreciated. And yeah, hopefully it is a good game for us all to watch. And I think that most Forest fans, while would be harbouring ambitions of a win, would probably very quietly take your one old prediction. So uh, thank you for that. And obviously, as for us, we'll give you a review on Sunday. So see you then and come on, you Reds. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.